Yo, what's up, everybody? It's time for the In Off the Bench podcast. I am Daniel Ball, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, my partner in crime, my brother from another mother, Jim Cross. And Jim, tonight's a good one. We got episode six titled Purple Rain because we're bringing back on the In Off the Bench most athletic guest of all time, Kaya Johnson, and she's bringing another LSU gym star with her, Alona. Shinakova. So, man, let's not beat around the bush. Let's get right to it. Help me welcome on to the show with the biggest interview and in podcasting this week LSU gym stars Kaya Johnson and Alona Shinakova. Kaya, Alona, we are excited to have you here on the show tonight. We are ready to dive into some LSU gymnastics, but before we do that, we have to find out. Alona, where is it you're from? I am from Denver, Colorado, but my family is originally from Moscow, Russia. And in Denver, so you from a big town, small town? Um, Evergreen. Is that big? It's pretty small. It's like in the mountains. All right, so growing up, um, you know, was gymnastics the only sport you did or did you do any other sports growing up? Um, I come from a huge gymnastics family, so both of my parents were actually gymnasts for the USSR national team, and then my grandpa was also a gymnast, so it just like gymnastics runs in my family. I didn't really have a choice. <laughs> and do you have any siblings? I have two sisters, and they also both do gymnastics. Wow. So the whole family. So if I was to ask who is the best out of all y'all, who, who would you say? Um, I've made it further than, well, my younger sister's just, she's coming, like she's getting there. And then my older sister's actually retired right now. So like, as of right now, I'd say like me, just cause I'm still in the sport. I dig it. All, all those athletes, all those gymnasts, you said to you, I love it. Um, so who would you say has been the biggest influence, though, of all those family members and, and everyone's competed? Who's, who's, you know, been the motivational person behind you getting to where you are? Um, definitely my parents. They were my coaches. So my dad, it was always a team effort. Wherever we were going, like, whatever meet we were happening, um, it was always a team effort. So they always supported me. They always had my back. They always wanted what was best for me. And I couldn't do it without them. That's awesome. Love to hear that. So outside of your family, everyone has an athlete that they watch growing up competing and it's somebody who inspires them. Is there an athlete like that for you that inspired you to want to be great? Yes. I um, looked up a lot to Nastia Lukin. She was my favorite gymnast of all times. Loved her. I heard she's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, she's all right. She won the Olympics. No big deal. Yeah, no, nah, you got her. You got her. So the question that I want to know is what made you choose LSU out of all the possible schools you can go to? 
Um, it's kind of a long story because at first I was committed to another college for four years. And then at the very last second, I changed to LSU because like, I just like, I came here on my visit and it was just instantly home. Like I, you get like a feeling and like when I was here, that feeling was like, this is meant for you. I mean, I heard it was because you heard Kaya Johnson was going to be there. So you were like, I got to go. <laughs> Me and Kaya did, we like knew each other way back in the get, but we didn't know each other. So we always competed against each other, but we had no idea who each other were. We have like pictures from like 10 years ago and like it's, we're like this big. It's so funny. That's awesome. It always ends up being a small world. Well, I'm glad you chose LSU because we, we root for LSU. And so we're glad that you chose the purple and gold. I'm going to turn this to Kaya for just a second. And Kaya, we had you on here earlier this year. You know, you had only had a couple meets against Arkansas. Obviously, I know what the overall goals were and expectations, but do you feel like you met at least some of those expectations outside of the championship? Um, I definitely feel like we met some of the, those expectations. Um, we improved every meet throughout the season, and I remember saying that's one thing we wanted to do. And so even though the outcome didn't turn out how we wanted it, there's still positives from the season that we could take away from. Absolutely. And so let's turn to some of the positives. Let's start with team. Which performance do you feel like was the best team performance of the year? Um, ooh, that's a good question. I would say either our meet against Florida. Um, I think that's one meet where we all competed our best or SECs, even though it wasn't our best meet, but it, we could we put a complete meet together. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, I got I was fortunate to actually watch both of those. So uh, I loved it. The the Florida one was man, that was so intense. I I was like edge of my seat in the watching the scores. And you know me, I told you, you know, I'm new, I'm new to it all. And so I'm watching and, and scores going back and forth. And I'm like, I don't know how this is gonna play out. And uh, that was that was awesome. You and Trinity stole the show, I feel like that night for sure. Uh, so as far as best individual performance, what would you say? Uh, what meet? Um, for me personally, I would just say nationals. I feel like um, I was just able to put a complete meet together and enjoyed it as well. I feel like at the beginning of the season, I kind of got out of my comfort zone with like having fun with gymnastics. So I think towards the end, I started to have fun with it again and do well. Yeah, my favorite part about Nationals, when you stuck the end of the floor routine, that little swagger thing you do, I don't I don't know how to describe it, but, like, I don't know. You you, you could tell you felt felt good about how you landed it and you did, it, did a little shimmy move or whatever. I, I love that. That, that, got me, that got me hyped when you did that. So, during the season, I know that you had an injury setback. Uh, talk to me about that a little bit. Um, I just had Achilles pain and because I tore my other Achilles prior, we just wanted to make sure we did everything to keep me healthy throughout the entire season. So I didn't compete like all around from the beginning of the season. I kind of was where I needed to be, um, and just helped the team where I could without doing the hard events until the end of season. So Alona, what, what is it like when you have somebody like Kaya who, you know, isn't a hundred percent and you have to go without them for, you know, a, either a brief period of time or a long period of time. And you know, her scores matter. How do, how does the team, like, how do you overcome that? Um, 
this year we definitely had a lot more depth than we have prior years. So we always practice like in the gym, like next person up because you never know what's going to happen. So I think we, as a team, we prepared so well if like Kai was ever to go down to like have the next person up and be ready. And that happened to me in Auburn. Like when she hurt her foot, she was like, she came up to me and she was like, all right, Alona, it's your turn, ball out for me. I was like, all right, I'm gonna do that for you. <laughs> I was super nervous, thank Kai Johnson Pop, but like, I don't know, knowing that like she had my back and I had hers, I think we, we made a great team. Yeah, it, it definitely shows, you know, when you rely so much as, as far as the team aspect goes, you rely on everyone so much because like a tenth of a point, just a fraction of a point matters. And there's there's not many sports where you you have that much pressure. And Kaya mentioned it. Um, she just went back to having fun. Can you sometimes get overwhelmed and kind of engulfed in in the pressure of just performing and you kind of lose sight of, of, of having fun? Um, I think a lot of gymnasts do struggle with that. I, yeah, I personally struggled with like the self-confidence and the trying to have fun in the sport again, because like pressure is a real thing. But like once you figure out that like pressure is a privilege, it like starts to like you start to learn to have fun with like the meets. It's an interesting way to look at it. Pressure is a privilege. So with that, um, you, you go to LSU, and I'm sure there's a, a certain level of pressure that you have to you have to embrace because that's the expectation of being at a championship caliber team like LSU. So what is it from the beginning of the year? Was was it just the team? Was it the girls? Because when we talked to Kaya, she she said you guys had a chance to win it all. She felt as though she was part of one of the best teams in the country. So asking you, what was it about that team that that made you guys feel as though you could compete with anybody? Um, the just like the depth of our girls, like every time we went into practice, everyone on this team gave it their all, like all the time. And like every time we were in the gym, I'd always go up to Kai and I was like, our team is so talented. Like, it's so crazy how talented we are. And I think just like knowing that like we have so many good girls on this team should like relieve the pressure because like we're just that good. I, mean, I, I picture practice to be like y'all talking smack to one another, like in a fun kind of bantering kind of way but like it's so funny for me to watch you guys compete because like you could tell there's I'm sure there's a level of like you guys get on each other's nerves almost like a family because when you're in such tight quarters especially um, at the college level I'm sure you there's there's some bickering that goes back and forth but it's so funny because you guys look like you love each other and you're having a great time and everybody's doing everyone's floor routine on the side and everyone's like really like trying to lift everybody up. Um, is it difficult being just a, a teammate on top of being a competitor or is the teammate part the easy part? Um, I've always wondered, you know, in, in a sport like gymnastics, because there's a individual component as well as a team component. Um, I definitely, I feel like the class that like struggles the most with like getting into like a team atmosphere is like when you walk in as a freshman, because like before, like prior all your years, you're always competing as an individual, like you're building your own resume. And so when you get into like college, 
it's like it's not really about you anymore it's more about like the team and I think that's why it's such a pressure because like not only are you doing it for yourself now you're doing it for 20 other girls like and so I think that's where like the pressure comes in but like once you know that like the culture is so good on our team so like each one of us has so much confidence in each other and I think that just gives us personally like more confidence so thinking back on the season kind of similar to what what we asked Kaya what was your individually your your best meet and what do you think the best meet as a as a team was um my best meet I probably have to say was against Florida I think everyone's like best meet came out that meet just like it was such a fun every time we compete against Florida we always say we have a great time like I don't know what it is the competitive environment like just everyone gets fired up so that one definitely boosted my confidence in every direction I think it boosted our teams but as like a team I would have to say I honestly loved SECs like right as we literally got on the plane like everything was right like all the vibes were there like we were in the hotel like it was so much fun and like yes we came out a little short but like in the overall grand scheme, I was like, I felt like we won. Like it was so like, I was never had so much fun competing until I competed at SECs. Kaya, thinking about SEC championships, where did Alabama come from? That is a really good question. Like I literally have no idea. What What's her name? Luisa Blanco? Yeah. Like, <laughs> look, and what's funny is the final no idea. Like where she, it was like, and, and don't get me wrong, I, I didn't watch every single SEC meet, but I watched a lot of them. And she was good, but she was something special. Like, I, I mean, I'm just Dan, Daniel, that, that's what was funny. You know, we told Kaya about how I, I had picked Eric Andrews from Alabama as, as the best athlete. And he comes on here talking about we went gymnastics now on top of football and basketball and everything. And it was like, the last thing we needed was for Alabama to be good at something else. Yeah. Yeah. It would be nice. Well, I mean, LSU's had their, had a pretty good couple of years. So, I mean, there's a good run going on over there. So don't, you, you got to keep it in perspective, but I'll ask this about SEC's Kaya. When when you guys go out there, is there nerves or is it practice and preparation that put you in a position where this is this is just going out there doing my thing? Um, I think obviously there's nerves. Um, competing at any level, I feel like you get a little bit nervous, but we always try and think to channel our nervousness into excitement um, because we do our best gymnastics when we're having fun with each other, when we're excited. Um, so I think to combat the nerves, we try and turn it into excitement so we don't have to worry about being nervous. Gotcha. So, Alona, with SECs, did did you guys know that you were going to be invited to national championships, or do you have to finish top two, or do you got to finish a certain place to be invited to the national championships? Do you know how to answer that one? Have to... I have no idea. It's not based on SECs, it's based on regionals. So when we went to compete in Salt Lake, we had to be the top two teams to compete in Dallas. Gotcha. So when when you went to Salt Lake, you were matched up with who? Oh, 
Utah. So there's two days of competition. The first one. So it was you. Was it you guys, Kentucky, Utah State, and Arizona? Was that the yeah, first that was the matchup? First. Mm-hmm. So when you when you get paired up, how how do you get paired up, Alana? I'll I'll ask you. I'm not sure if you know. I, I just. I'll, I'll, all right. So we'll <laughs> redirect it, Kaya. When you get paired up, and you're, uh, I mean, for all intents and purposes, it's a bracket style, and you got to finish top two in that that bracket to move on to the next set when you get matched up against kentucky utah state arizona are you thinking oh like all we got to do is go out there and 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 put out a good performance and we're moving on or is this the time where you go no we got to be a plus 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 every single rotation um i think that's kind of where we got a little iffy during that competition i think we're supposed to be, we're supposed to go out and think we have to be A plus, you know what I mean? Like you said, but I think sometimes we can get comfortable. And I think that was one of the meets where we got a little comfortable, um, but we were still able to come out of there alive, so. Alona, did you feel any different going in there? Was it more of a, a relaxed and like Kaya said, more comfort and not so much uh, like, that competitive fire to go out there and just dominate? Um, when we first got out there, I think we got a little bit comfortable because we started on beam. And then right after that rotation, we didn't have like a great rotation. And we were like, I think we were last at that time. And, you know, like being like top two all year, we weren't supposed to be like last after the first rotation. And so like, when we realized we were too comfortable, we like all gathered together and we like switched it and we were like, all right guys, now we actually have to bring our like A plus performance, but like not to the point where we're trying to be too perfect. Cause like once we're trying to be too perfect, that's when like everything starts to mess up. So yeah. we were like, we just have to trust the process of what we've been training and just go out there and do that. Yeah. You almost want to, it's, it's a higher elevation than practice, but you almost want to, keep it as though if you're working really hard in practice, it should be like routine and repetition and like the the same thing practice gives you. But when you have to start a rotation, this is in my head, I think beam is hard, like super difficult. When you have to go out and you have to start on beam, is is that a recipe for a tough day or is that where you want to start? Or for you guys, the beam is no big deal. Um, I think it was our first year, like, I mean, first meet all year that we were starting on beam. So like, we always say like, no distractions, like, don't let it get to you. Like, you always have to be ready, like whatever gets thrown your way. But I think like, personally, like during that meet, I think a lot, everyone was a little bit nervous to start on beam. Cause like, it's like beam and it's not somewhere someone wants to start. And we did struggle with that event all year, but I think we know how to fight after we come out of like a struggle and so that's what we did we show we show fought we did show a lot of fight so kaya when y'all start would you personally prefer to start with your best uh, event or your weaker event not to say that you have one because i know that you're awesome at all of them but you know what i'm trying to say um i think this is where i differ a little bit from alona like i think personally i'd rather start on beam and get it out of the way um, but like she said, 
because that was our like shaky event kind of all year, I think we had that in the back of our mind before we even started. Um, and so that led to some extra nerves that we did not need at that meet. So a floor being your jam, do you always want that to be last? Honestly, I'd rather do a floor team anywhere but last. I feel like at the end of meets, we're like extremely tired. So uh, I feel like floor is a lot harder at the end. Makes sense. So you you guys, um, you make it through that first set. You you take care of business. You guys in Kentucky move on. And then you, you add Utah, Arizona State to the mix. Um, Kaya, I'll start with you. With that grouping, was there a team that you were like, hey, they're the favorite or they're the team that's going to push us the most? Or did you still say, hey, we're going to go out there, do our thing, and we still are going to move on? Um, I think especially after the Friday competition, we didn't want to um, kind of go in there with preconceived notions about any team. So I feel like we just focused on us and try not to make it about anybody else because I mean, if you're at that meet and you've, you've made it, you have a pretty good shot. Yeah, Alona, when you guys in the in the first grouping, you saw Kentucky and you and Kentucky moved on. And then in the second grouping, you see Kentucky again. Is it like, oh, shit, like, come on, I'm like tired of seeing these people like or is it like, all right, let's represent for SEC and let's show these Pac-12 schools what's up? Um, I think we had a little bit of both. We had a little bit of like, we lost to Kentucky like three times that, that twice, three times, twice or something like that. And so we were like, all right, it's literally our, like, we're like, we're going to beat them this time. Like it's our turn. Like we're going to show them what's up, but we also have like, we have like such good friendship with everyone on that team too. So it's like, at the end, it was more of a, like, you guys put up a really good fight and like you killed it. I noticed that, um, especially when you guys have the all-around uh, competitors there with you and they're competing almost uh, look like at the same time that you guys were doing team competition. And it seemed like there were girls going out of their way to learn floor routines of those people doing the all-around. Like it was, it was, it was sweet in a sense. And it was, it was, it was really cool because it summarized everything you said about that atmosphere and and loving each other and kind of you know enjoying the people that you get to compete with was there ever a time where you don't want a certain team or a certain competitor around you is there a team that you're like oh i just they're, they're not my jam <laughs> i mean like i feel like a lot of people always like I guess like the gym internet, the gym world always wants like there to be so much beef around like NCAA gymnastics. Like we all hate each other, but <laughs> growing up, we all knew each other because gymnastics is a pretty small world. So I think overall, like we just want the best for each other. Like we're always more of a, like, you got to grow. You like, they put in the same amount of effort and practice as I think every other gymnast does. So like, I think that's what everyone doesn't see is that like, we generally want the best for each gymnast, even though we're on different teams. Gotcha. So, Kai, you guys move on. You guys and Utah, and then you match up with Alabama and Oklahoma. So, I'll ask you this, and it, 
when I watch Anastasia Webb, I don't see anything different than what Kaya Johnson can do. Why is that? Well, am, I, am I missing something? Um, I don't think so. I think, I mean, especially when you get to nationals, everybody, that's when everybody's at their best, like on their A game. And so I think, especially in our first session, there's multiple different people who like really came to show out and she was one of them. So with her and she, she's obviously, I don't know, is she the, the best gymnast in the country? I think after that, she won all around, I'm pretty sure. So yeah. I think, yeah. So does that, is there ever a, a time where you go, I'm going to be an all around champion. I'm going to be the best gymnast in the country. Or is that a strictly a coach's decision? I've always wondered, like, how does, how does one go about saying, because I see you got, both of you guys are labeled as all around gymnasts, but how do you, obviously you got to qualify throughout the year, but talk me through that process. How do you get to be on the stage at nationals competing for the all around championship? Um, so when you get to school, most people come into college as all arounders, like before you get to school, most people do the all around. And sometimes there's situations where coaches either tell girls to like, to start to focus on maybe one or two events or only three of them. But fortunately, Alona and I have both been able to still do all around. And I think we're like, we like to think of each other as like the same person. I feel like we're both super duper motivated and determined and especially what happened after nationals. Um, I think we both want, you know, to win, so. Absolutely. I, and this is, this is me just wanting to give you guys props is that there was never a time where I tuned in and I never, I never saw there being any difference between you and the best gymnasts in the country. So, and I won't say that about every gymnast that I saw because there were striking differences between you guys and other teams and other competitors, but you guys had something there. There was just something special about both of you. Like I, I, I watched a YouTube routine, Alana of you and, and it was, like, I felt like you were 20 feet over the bars. Like, I, I don't know how, I think it was against Florida, but I, I'd have to go back and look, but it was like, you were just effortlessly just kind of floating in air. So like- I'm glad it looks that way. <laughs> it, I mean, and I think that's, that's kind of what I'm getting at is you guys make it look so effortless and so good. Like, and you guys deserve to be, you know, considered as one of the top, you know, gymnasts in the country, if not one of the top teams in the country. And as you moved on through this national championship, you, you ran into that grouping and, and you didn't make it out. Um, so what was it about Alabama, Oklahoma and Utah? What was it about them? Or was it more so what LSU didn't do that night? Um, I mean, we always try to focus on ourselves and not anyone else but personally even though we didn't win I still feel like we were the best team out there at in the evening session I feel like we couldn't 
put it together. I don't feel like we were lesser than any of those teams. I feel like if we would have done what we do every day in the gym, it would have been different. Alona, what, what would you say? Was there any one rotation or any one thing that you felt, you know, that's what held us back? Or was it just a, a, a collaboration think, of team things? I think because we were first after three events. Like there was one event we had left and like we were literally first the entire time. We never went down. And like, I think instead of that, like thinking like, oh, we're doing so good and we're first right now we were ending on beam. And I think that we knew that we struggled a lot with beam this year. And instead of being like, all right, y'all let's go show out and like have no regrets. We had like a little bit of doubt in our mind going into it, just being like, all right, y'all, we struggled a little bit. So let's get it together. And then just like after that, like it was just a, a disappointing ending. <laughs> Yeah, see, you mentioned exactly where I wanted to go because one of the things is being a new gymnastics fan, the scoring, you know, I was I was saying earlier about how it kind of bounces all around. And, you know, especially when you got, it's not a heads up meet, but you got the four different scores. But like you said, you were in first through the first three. And so in my mind, when two teams are advancing, like I, I had never thought that there was a chance that y'all weren't going on. And that's why it just... I, I, it blew my mind when it happened, and it's just because I'm not used to the, the way the scoring is and how things can flip by just one event because, I mean, I got too arrogant and cocky as someone who was rooting for y'all. I thought, this is in the bag. I mean, y'all got it. And so I, I was absolutely – I couldn't believe it when when y'all didn't make it. Yeah, I think we were all low-key in shock. Me and Kaya, like, we're standing right next to each other holding hands, and then, like, right as Reagan dismounted, we had a feeling, and, like, we looked at each other, and we just started, like – falling <laughs> like we just like we knew it was over and like but like from that moment then we were like not again like we were like this feeling not again so you you talk about the feeling so what what was the was there a period of time where you you go back to LSU or you you guys in the meet and you, you guys are headed back how much time do you take reflecting on this past season or is it a complete like, all right, I'm going to give myself 24 hours to be sad about this. And now I'm going to flip the switch and we're focused on next season. Um, I think for each person, it's different. I mean, for our team, we talked about it, obviously, in the locker room. Um, but that was pretty much it about the meet. And then we all get back. And I know we both personally watched the second day of competition. And so I think I haven't like forgotten about it. Um, but I'm also not sad about it now. I think it's something that I should remember um, so I can remember that feeling so that going into next season, I do everything I can to make sure we don't feel like that at the end of next season. Alona, what about you? What is the, how long did it take you to, to process and, and, and not so much get over, but go, okay, it's next season. That's, that's on my mind right now. Um, I think for me, it definitely happened. I like let myself have a day. I like cried it out and like, I just was like, all right, I'm sad. But then the next day, right as we were watching the meet, me and Kai were watching it together and we were like, all right, this is what we're going to do. These are our new goals. Like we already were planning it right away. And that was literally the next day. And so like, now I think we're even more determined and motivated and like so excited to get into the gym. All right, so what's the goal? 
What's what's your what's your personal goal for for next season? Win the Natties. There you go. See, oh, that's the only goal. That's, right. well, see, see, I love that because she took herself and said, you know what, I'm gonna take a personal goal and make it a team goal. Team first. I, I appreciate that. Kaya, what about you? Is is the message the same? Um. Yeah, I think it's the same, and I think personally. And I think what we've all kind of talked about, especially me and Alona, is no regrets. Like doing every single thing we can to win. Um, I do want to ask you about specialist of the year. I mean, how good does that feel? Even though you didn't, I mean, I know we've talked about team sport, team sport, but you did accomplish something individually. What did that mean to you? Um, it meant a lot. I feel like the SEC has the best gymnastics. And so to be named the specialist of the year, especially in the SEC, really means a lot. All right, so you, you guys had a, a successful season. I, that's what I'm going to say. Whether, whether you, want, you had the end result that you were looking for, it was a successful season. So what do you do over the summer? Do you, you, there's got to be some type of relaxing. There's got to be some kind of like, you know, disconnect from the gym. Kai, I'll start with you. How long is the disconnect? What do you do to, to take your mind off of it? And then how long does that last until you're back in the gym? Um, so with NCAA rules and stuff, I think there's supposed to be like a two-week period that we're like not allowed in the gym to train. Um, so that was basically up until this point. And I think we've all been relaxing. Um, some of us are going to go home. And then I personally will probably go back to my club gym for a little bit to just start with like basics, start to get back into the gym. And then when I get back here for summer school is when I'll like start to actually train again. So over the summer when you, you're coming back on the campus? Yes, we'll be then, taking classes and then we can use the gym also. Oh, how, how does that work? You guys can, you have access or is there like a set time that you guys can go? Um, we have access to the gym pretty much all hours of the day. And like in the summer, it's voluntary workout. So the coaches can't really tell us when to come in. I think we just have to text them ourselves. Like say, hey, we're going to go into the gym, make sure like there's somebody watching us so that we don't like get hurt. So Alona, what about you? How long is the disconnect and, and what do you do? And then when you get back in the gym, what are you, are you? just maintaining or are you really working on things to improve I mean it's I always say like I'm gonna take some time off so like I'm taking the two weeks but I'm like personally a gym rat like it's really hard for me to stay out of gymnastics like cause I just love it so much so like I definitely probably be practicing a lot during the summer and like trying to improve while like get like the details worked and maybe get some new skills in I don't know. I like to like play around with gymnastics a lot when I can on my free time. So I'll probably just be in the gym all the time. So Kai, if you remember when we talked the first time around, Daniel talked about he doesn't spend too much time on social media. And, and I bring that up to say, you know, he was talking about y'all's disconnect. And since I do and I see everything, y'all did the first thing that I would have done both of y'all. I seen both y'all went to the pool, you know, y'all are training <laughs> indoors all day, every day. Y'all went and got some sunshine and sat by the pool, right? That's the first thing you do. Great. I feel like that's one of the most relaxing things you can do is just go sit 
out at the pool. So we've done that quite a few times since season has been over. Absolutely. Get get that sunshine in, get that pool time in, hanging out with the friends I see. That's that's good, man. Take a step back and and you'll get back to work in no time. But with that, we're going to have a little fun. Kaya, you've done this before, but you get to do it again. I, if you have a repeat question, I apologize. Um, Alana, this is new for you, so it's a game called This or That. I'm going to give you two options. You're going to pick one or the other. The only rule is you can't say neither and you can't say both. You got it? God, I'm so bad at making decisions. Oh, well, you're going to have to figure it out. <laughs> oh, God. All right, the first one will be easy for you. All right, I think, anyway. So Colorado or Louisiana? Uh, Colorado. All right. Colorado, I'm throwing this one in there just for fun. Colorado or Russia? Uh, Colorado. <laughs> I didn't know if maybe I didn't know if maybe you've been quite a, a bit and maybe liked it there. Figured I'd throw that out there. Uh, I've been like twice, but it's I don't know. I love Colorado. Kaya, is it still Texas over Louisiana? Yeah. I love Louisiana though, but Texas a little bit more. I didn't know if maybe over a couple months it grew on you a little bit more. <laughs> All right. So Alana, for you, the question I got is, do you like bars better or do you like floor better? Depends on the day. I'd probably say bars. <laughs> All right, Kaya, vault or beam? Definitely vault. <laughs> I figured that I, I had these pre-written, and so after we've talked a bunch, uh, I definitely knew that would be the answer, but I still went <laughs> ahead and asked. Does, All right. Does, any, does anybody like beam? <laughs> or is it just something where you're just like – gotta do this so like, here we I go like, <laughs> i feel like beam is really really easy to like when you're doing well and really really easy to not like when it's not coming to you so right now i'm, I'm not a fan of her <laughs> <laughs> all right so you know me and daniel when we were talking about the alabama thing and he brought up lsu and how good their athletics program is and i've seen pictures where sometimes y'all get to go enjoy other events so if y'all do get to enjoy these, uh, cool, you'll be able to answer. If not, you know, and uh, we'll start with Alana and then we'll go Kaya. Would you rather watch Tiger baseball or Tiger soccer? Uh, Tiger baseball. Baseball. Also. All right. Football or basketball? Football. Football, 100%. Oh. You're a baller. That's right. I forgot. We we talked to you. You were a basketball player. I know. I I love both. I don't know. You know the rules of this game. You got to pick one. <laughs> I'm gonna go with football. All right. And so, Lona, th this question has been asked to Kaya. So we're gonna ask you: If someone was to ask you on a date, would you rather it be through the DMs or would you rather it be face to face? Uh, face to face for sure. <laughs> All right, and so they've asked you on this date. They they have succeeded. Would you rather them then call you or text you? Mm, text. Text. <laughs> yeah, I am a texter myself. Daniel is a caller. We're we're different in those regards. So how, how does that make sense? <laughs> I, you want somebody to ask you face to face, but then you don't you don't want you want short responses after that. <laughs> I don't know. Text me. I'm really bad with like just like technology and like social media anyways, but I feel like with text I can like come up with like thoughts before I send it. <laughs> you you go, right. hey, hey Kaya, does this sound right? 
Is that what you do? Oh, <laughs> that's literally, literally <laughs> what I do. <laughs> there it is. We have it now. All right. So back to both of y'all. You know, I talked about y'all being by the pool, but I wanted to ask y'all about, you know, going to the beach. If you had a choice to go down to the beaches in Florida or the beaches in California, which one you taking? I think Florida. I also think Florida because I've never been to the beaches in California. So uh, there, there really isn't a wrong answer, but the water is definitely warmer in Florida. So I will say that. And Daniel's in Florida. So, I mean, got to go where Daniel is. Got to go with the white sand. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So this one's a fun one. Kaya, I'm going to tell you, being a part of the, the gymnastics forums after we had your first episode, you know, I was plugging your episode. I was talking to people. And one of the biggest things they like to argue over is not actually who's better gymnasts. They like to argue about the Leos. Who has the better Leos? And so I'm going to give y'all, with taking LSU out, I'm going to give you the four teams that they argue about the most. I'm asking both of you, of course, and I'm, I'm, I paired them against each other. So who has better Leos, Oklahoma or Florida? Florida. All right. UCLA or Utah? Utah. Utah. UCLA right. very different. All right. So y'all both said Florida and you both said Utah. So now I'm going to put those against each other. Florida or Utah? Utah. I like Florida's Leos. <laughs> hey, we had to be different. I like it. All right. So I'm going to ask y'all both this question. Kaya, you've been asked before, but you know, maybe you've changed since then. This is our staple question, Alona. We ask everybody it. No judgment anymore. We used to judge people based on this answer, but I don't think there is a wrong answer anymore. Would you rather have friends or money? I'm going to go with friends. Friends. Like Alona. Oh, like Kaya. <laughs> See, Kaya, we have now had someone say they want friends with money, and I feel like that's the only answer now. <laughs> that's really good. Friends with money. Wait. <laughs> yes, ex exactly. So, you know, before we let y'all get out of here, we want to give y'all a chance to plug or promote, whether it be, you know, following you on social media or just upcoming training things. You know, Daniel talked about y'all have YouTube stuff, you know, just or if you want to plug, you know, teammates, LSU's, Jim, whatever. Um, Kyle, I'll let you go first. Uh, whatever you want to plug or promote. Um, I obviously want to promote LSU Jim. So. If there's anybody listening who's like an upcoming gymnast, we have summer camps this summer that you guys could go to. So that would be really cool. All right, Alona, you got anything? Um, nope, just LSU gym. <laughs> well, I want to tell you all this before I, let, I turn you all over to Daniel. I watched the Nationals with my family, and they hadn't watched any gymnastics prior to. And let me tell you, my 14-year-old my daughter and my wife – absolutely enjoyed it they loved watching y'all compete they thought everything that y'all were doing was amazing their favorite personally was the vault um just because you know when when y'all go high flying like that and y'all stick it it's just it's just awesome and then of course they love something that you know kaya we talked about the first episode the way y'all just cheer and applaud each other on you know my daughter plays soccer they don't do that with each other they yell at each other a lot like they, they're fighting all the time and so to, to watch a team actually cheer each other on like that. She's, she's not used to that. And so she had appreciation for that, but I just wanted to tell y'all 
um, from me, thank you because me and my family enjoyed watching y'all compete at the highest level. Thank you. Absolutely. Alona, thanks for taking the time out. It was great having you on. Great to meet you. Um, hopefully, you know, we'll bring Kaya back and we'll bring you back. I guess the rule now stands that if you come back on, you got to bring a friend. So before you know it, we're going to have the whole LSU gym squad <laughs> on, on this, this Zoom um, and on the podcast. But I, I wish you the best of luck. If there's anything we can do for you in the future to help plug or promote anything, just reach out to Jim. He's he's good with the social media, not so much myself, but uh, he'll definitely you know share anything or, or comment or do anything you guys need. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, yeah. yeah thank you for having us. Yeah, Kaya, before you bounce, I gotta I gotta tell you, I I want to thank you for the picture. The, the autograph yeah. picture was amazing. The message I'm going to hold near and dear to my heart because I opened up the package from Jim and I opened up the pictures and that picture was the first one that I pulled out and I showed it to my daughter and she just got so excited. Like she was like grabbing the picture and she went over to her little trampoline, was jumping around, doing flips on it and it, it it brought some tears to, to my dad's eyes. So I want to thank you for that because not you didn't have to do that and you, you did that and that's that's amazing. So that that'll always mean a lot to me. So I appreciate that. You're welcome. I'm really happy I could do that for you. Yeah, no problem. So good luck, guys. Enjoy your summer. Please yeah. take some time, reflect. And we're going to have you back on probably, hopefully, before you guys start, you know, hitting it strong for the upcoming season. And, you know, we'll talk national championship bound and, and, and what you got, what the team looks like. And, and hopefully, who knows, you might have an all around champion. We might have a t national championship team here in the future. Thank you guys so much. Yeah, so much. we're. Yeah, no problem. Y'all have a good night. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to do some headlines. Welcome back to the In Off the Bench podcast. We got some headlines for you. And Jim, leading off tonight, we're going to talk the NFL draft. Last week, had a chance, and over the course of this weekend, we had a chance to check out the draft, see who's going to our teams and some of the winners and losers. So let's start with that. Who are the winners from the draft? Um, I think I want to start with, the combination of what is that four teams that before I say specific teams that won the overall draft, they got quarterbacks that are joining their former receivers. I feel like that's a winner within itself because you're talking about chemistry. And I think that's meaningful. And to see that four different teams managed to accomplish that in the first round. I don't know. Did you not find that as I mean, I find that pretty damn cool. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's very cool, but I think it's exactly what people had thought was going to happen. Yeah, so, I mean, I don't know that that necessarily makes you a winner, but I know if I'm a fan of any of those four teams, especially let's look at Jacksonville, right? I told you whoever got ATM was going was gonna to get a stud, right, which I'm not saying anything that anybody didn't know. But the fact that you got him and Trevor Lawrence and that they have their chemistry, if you're a Jacksonville fan, like, how stoked are you? Like, and oh, so you that's, gotta, that, go ahead. You, you got to be because you take, 
you take the number one pick and you get the the best player in the draft, and then you got a new coach who is arguably the guy that you wanted, and now you're adding these pieces that you know can can mesh well because they've already proven they can mesh well. Um, so I, I'm interested to see um, are we getting are we getting a Jacksonville squad that is going to be like like a slow burn, almost like, you know, I hate to say it, but the Browns were that team that put some pieces together and finally were able to, to put together, I would say the season that, you know, on roster wise, they should have had last, last year. Well, if you remember, they got a young guy, DJ Chark, who's been amazing. That's the, that you know, I knew he was good at LSU, but most people didn't know that he would be as good as he was. Um, at receiver, and so you're you add that. I mean, he's he's only going to be in his third year, so another young piece on that offense. I'd be curious, I don't know right off the top of my head how good Jacksonville's defense is, but offensively, I mean, that's that's pretty nice. But as far as your question overall, um, you know, I want to start with the team that we talk about a lot because of your mom. I think Chicago being able to get Justin Fields at 11 is a clear winner because they needed to figure out a quarterback situation. And I think he should have never slipped to 11. What do you think? No, to be honest, I don't think he should have been lower than third. That's so the bear, so that makes the, so me. that makes the bears a winner, right? Because they've been, they've been trying to figure out the quarterback situation and you get a guy that shouldn't have been there. Absolutely. Um, I think they played it exactly the way that, you know, they wanted it to, to roll out. They were hoping Justin Fields would probably not be in that, that first three spot and they could trade up to, to pick him up. And that's exactly what happened. I mean, my question to you is you, they have Andy Dalton. They went and, and made a push to get him. Does Andy Dalton start, or do you just say, all right, man, Justin Fields is the guy. Like, let's roll. I think I'd start with Andy Dalton, and, you know, you give him what we, – we saw this last year um, with a couple different teams that had kind of the same situation, what, four to five games, right? And you see, can Dalton actually put together some wins? Because, remember, the Bears actually got a, a solid roster. They went to the playoffs last year. So you give Andy Dalton a chance. He's earned that, right, even though he did look pretty bad at times for the Cowboys. But he did win at the Bengals when they weren't very good. Um, you give him a chance. Uh, you know, I'm not an, an expert. I'm not an NFL football coach. But to me, if you were to just to ask me, I'd say I'd give him four games to see what he does. If it's not working, um, by that time, hopefully Fields has, has learned a good bit of the offense and you start giving him some run. Yeah, and – when we talk about winners, I'm looking at CBS Sports right now, and it, you know, I thought the Cowboys, being a Cowboys fan, addressed the defensive side with eight of their eleven picks being defensive players, and I, they hands down got, in my opinion, the best defensive player in the first round, uh, in Micah Parsons. But I mean, does Penn State produce linebackers, or do they produce linebackers? Uh, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's it's no, it's not even a question. But it's it's almost like getting a secondary guy from LSU. Like you you know what you're getting. Um, 
But I'll, I'll say this, you know, looking at, at CBS, they have winners and losers. They don't have the, the Cowboys as a winner or a loser, but they have the Giants. They have Washington football team and the Eagles as winners. So uh, when I think about the division as a whole, like, I don't like seeing that. Um, well, you know why I think right off the top, um, because I'm looking at the, just the first round in particular on those teams, it's because they all got big-time offensive playmakers in the first round. And I think um, because there's young quarterbacks on all those teams, I think that's why they're making them winners because they are they all did something to try to put a playmaker around their young guy. And so, for instance, with – you know, I watched Kadarius Tony from Florida this year, put, putting him – with Daniel Jones, obviously, and then um, Philadelphia got um, Devontae Smith. Yeah, and so obviously Heisman winner, you know what he gets, and then he's going – he's another one of the, the guys we're talking about. He's going with the quarterback that he, he spent some time with in college. So I think that has a lot to do with that. But I don't think anything's changed, Daniel. Um, Dallas had the best roster – of all those teams, if their quarterback comes healthy, becomes healthy, you know what their offense is. So what was their problem? Their problem was defense. And you just said it. They addressed it with eight picks. And so to me, you know, not getting way ahead of ourselves, per what they did in this draft, Dallas would still be the favorite regardless of those other teams, you know, so-called winning draft day. Yeah. You, you mentioned the Eagles, you know, picking up Devonta Smith. Shout out to the Eagles picking up Kenny Gainwell, the the only Tiger that was was drafted, and there was a four that had the opportunity. Uh, Riley Patterson got signed after the draft, but you're looking at uh, Demonte Coxie and Brady White, who I would assume would probably be on somebody's roster at some point. Um, but as of now, they're they're not on a team per se. But let's did talk you say, about. I, did, did you hold on? Did did you say that Brady White was or wasn't? Was not. I he is. He is. I didn't see him on a roster yet. Go ahead and move on to your next subject, and I'll have it ready in a minute. Well, I was going to ask you. You know, moving to your team, the Saints. The CBS has the Saints as a loser in the draft, but I mean, given the the cap issues that the saints are faced with it was that a, a, a pretty safe assumption that they weren't going to have a good draft yeah but let me tell you man uh so go back to last year when i told you i got mad that they picked ruiz in the first round and i told you that there were three centers rated higher than him um, with the defensive end, Peyton Turner, you absolutely addressed the need that you had because you lost Trey Hendrickson, the defensive end. But I'm going to go with the draft experts who know more than me. And he was rated as a third-round grade defensive end. So unless the Saints organization is seeing something that none of these draft experts are seeing, then, yes, they messed up again, which they – I mean – the, the Saints are hit or miss. They, they're not – they haven't been consistently bad. They haven't been consistently good. Um, you know, the, the, the one that's going to be interesting is, the, is going all the way down to the fourth-round pick, Ian Book. Um, you know, with their quarterback situation, is he a guy if 
you know, Winston's just a one-year guy and Taysom ends up not being what I hope Taysom to be. Is he is he a guy that you can end up leaning on, or was that just a pick in hopes to adding another guy in the mix? But I told you I wasn't excited about the Saints draft pick. You, you know, you mentioned the up against it with the cap, and they never draft who I want. And so on draft day, I'm going to be honest with you, Daniel, I probably cared the least about the Saints of any of them because whoever I want, they're not going to get. Well, I mean, so so that brings up my next question to you about the Saints. So is this a year where it's a down year? And I I always say that because – you're unsure at who the quarterback is and your cap is, is still not, you're, you're not very favorable. So what, what is the expectations for the season from a fan standpoint? I mean, it, it, it hinges on quarterback play. I hate to just go there, but because I think everything else is still there. They lost a couple pieces, but all their main foundational pieces are still there. And if Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas play to their ability, and if on the defensive end, if Cam Jordan and Demario Davis and Lattimore and Marcus Williams, if they all play to their ability, then that team is is – Easily, you. I mean, I use that that word easily because they still easily are a playoff team. But if your quarterback sucks, and I know that's the case for a lot of teams, but this is a unique situation because we're coming with a team who just lost, you know, a Hall of Fame guy. I think they are still a team. It's hard when I go to project records, right, because it throws me off having that 17th game. I think they're – I think when I looked at their schedule, I saw 11 and 6. And that was with me just saying they got moderate quarterback play. Well, we will definitely dive in deep to the the predictions. I mean, it, it'll it'll be here before we know it. But I don't want to get too much lost in the sauce of this draft. But I do want to say one more thing about the draft because who would we be if we didn't bring this up? Um, the Patriots, right? I'm not high on Mac Jones, but I'm going to tell you something. If Belichick strikes gold with that kid, man, because you know how he is. And, you know, Mac Jones was able to just fall fall to him. He didn't have to – he didn't have to move Who? up. <laughs> Not Mike Jones, Mac Jones. Mac Jones. <laughs> but, you know, he didn't have to move up. He didn't have to trade anything. And what if – I mean, what if this dude ends up being elite like some people think he possibly could be? And Belichick just does it again, man. That's that's one I'm going to be looking to. And the good thing about Mac Jones is because you have Cam Newton, he doesn't have to get thrown in the mix. You know, you got Cam Newton for, for another year, maybe even you, you extend him out for two, and you let Mac Jones, you know, learn the system. And you know what they can do in New England. So that's one maybe I won't have my eye on necessarily this year. But, I mean, I don't know. New England does New England type things. Who, who has a better season, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, or Trey Lance, or Mac Jones? I'm going to say Justin Fields because of the team around him. If he get, But the thing is, it's, it's premise on what you said if he gets to play. 
Um, yeah. So can, if he doesn't play, then then obviously I'm gonna go with. I can't I can't say Zach Wilson because the Jets are the Jets, right? So I'm gonna go Trevor Lawrence. I mean, I refuse to say anything from the Jets is gonna be the best. Hey, I, I got one more, and I think this is I think this is a a, a loss in the draft. Um, Atlanta has a lot of problems. Offense isn't one of them. The fourth pit, fourth pick taking Kyle Pitts. I know Kyle Pitts is phenomenal, right? Um, you know, best tight end draft, arguably best ball catcher outside of Jamar Chase. I I know with Atlanta, I'm very familiar with them. Obviously, being a Saints fan, they needed something way more than a tight end. I think that's a a miss. So, some are saying that it's time for a, a new quarterback. Would you say that's the case in Atlanta? Because I don't necessarily agree with that. I don't think there's anything wrong with Matt Ryan. I mean, their defense has been the the majority of their problem. That's why when we talk about Kyle Pitts, I mean, it, would I'm Atlanta if I'm Atlanta because there's so many people coveting getting up there and getting those quarterbacks and receivers. I would have worked a deal and moved back. And I probably would have went after two defensive studs. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I could – as much as I don't want to say this, could it be the coaching and not the players? Oh, easily. I mean, we know how much talent Atlanta's got. Atlanta should be competing with New Orleans for – you know, obviously Tampa's in it this year, but I'm just talking about year in and year out. Um, well, they should and, be in – And now, now they're – former head coach is now my team's defensive coordinator. So th there's, there's that. So here's the final NFL question I got for you. If the Browns play the Bengals, who am I rooting for now? Who do you think? I mean, I would hope with all the shit that I give you, you would root for the Browns, but I, I have a feeling now with, with your boy, um, Burrow and Chase over there. I think you guys are. Uh, I think I think you're gonna flip the switch and, and go over with the Bengals. I I tilted that computer screen just enough so you can see two different pictures of Jamar Chase right on each side of Joe Burrow. So here I am. I'm doing exactly what what people accuse me of. I'm flip flopping. There you go. <laughs> of course you are. Of course. But, but there's some good. Great justification. I got both their jerseys hanging in my damn room. Well, okay. So I guess if you're hanging a jersey in your in your studio, then you you need to root for that guy, always and forever. I mean, you're the same guy that told me I changed my allegiance, and we're gonna get there in baseball this weekend because of what game I picked. So, uh, trust me, I know. And our, I already we already had that conversation, but. That's that's we'll end we'll end the night with some baseball talk, but we haven't talked much about hockey, and we need to start because this is the last week of the regular season. The playoffs are will we'll be starting up. It went week. by that fast. It did, it did, and and here we are. And I'll I'll help you out and, and tell you some of the teams that have already clinched a, a spot in the. Who's playoffs. the best team? Because that's my team. Um, currently. <laughs> Currently, Carolina is by points the best team. Um, record wise, it looks like the Panthers or the Knights. No, 
the Panthers are are the the best team in hockey as far as when wins and losses go. But because they have points, uh, the Carolina Hurricanes are first, with the Panthers being second, and the Golden Knights being third, and the Lightning being fourth. And then you got a bunch of people kind of a little bit. We got a couple teams at seventy points, and then you got some teams below that, but. Um, you know, here, here are the te teams to look for. You got the Hurricanes, you got the Panthers, you got the Lightning, um, you got the Capitals, the Penguins, the Bruins, the Islanders, the Maple Leafs, you got the Vegas Golden Knights, the Colorado yes. Avalanche, and Minnesota Wild. When you said the Penguins and the Capitals, you caught my attention for a second because one thing, you know, as somebody who doesn't watch too much hockey but did watch enough sports center for a long time is ovechkin and crosby still a thing they're still a thing they, are they not still like, like are they like still are they still like the the top two guys or are they are they've been passed i mean it's like it's it's like saying is kevin durant and luca and Giannis and any LeBron, of those guys like any of those guys like on any given night, one of them could have a dominating performance. And the next day you go, that's that player is the best player in the league. But gotcha. yeah, I mean, they're, they're still up there in the top tier of players. Are they the best? I mean, it's, it's probably a very opinionated, like I can't give you statistical analysis and proof that either one of them are the best player in the league, but they're still pretty good. Gotcha. Needed to know because if there's anything I'm familiar, I've watched a lot of highlights of those two guys doing amazing things. So my question to you is, is, you know, and, and really I wanted to talk hockey just to get your mind on it and, and get set up for the playoffs. Cause we'll make some predictions next week. Cause the, the, the brackets will be set. Are you still riding the lightning? Or are you, you, you going to go in a different direction? Are you my best friend? I think so. I mean, it's, well, then it's I'm riding hard. the lightning, bro. I, I I roll with you, DB, to the end. You know, except, right. except for those Cowboys. But anything else, I'm with you. You gotta. They're the defending champs, and they will be until they're beaten. So I'm gonna ride the the lightning until until the storm is is suppressed. So. What will scare me is if the lightning win it all again, and the way this whole Tampa thing has been working out. I will then be scared that the Bucks are going to do it again. That's going to be my biggest issue. Well, how many players did they not get a chance to re-sign? <laughs> Zero. Correct. So you technically have the same team coming in with another year under their belt of chemistry. The Lightning and the Bucks don't have the same problem that the Rays do, right? They don't get picked apart by the rich people. Nope. Nope. They uh, they tend to fare pretty well. So especially when, when you can bring back AB, you can bring back Gronk, you can bring back – you can uh, bring on Brady, you can bring on, you know – or re-sign Devin or re-sign a bunch of your guys. You got guys like Devin White. Um, yeah, life, life is pretty David good. was who you were trying to think yeah, of. Yeah, Levante David. So. so let me ask you this on the hockey thing, on the hockey front, since you got me on it. Who's the most of all those teams? You take Tampa off the board. Who's the most likable team 
to root for? Like for you, like who, who's the team? If the Lightning aren't going to win it, who do you want to see it? Because you know these teams and these uh, players better than me. Well, I think I'd have to go to the West, and I think the Knights, just because I, I like the whole – That's Randy squad. Yeah, I like the whole Vegas concept. Um, but if I was going to pick strictly on, like, a name, like just like a cool name and go, man, that'd be a cool champion, I, I honestly think I'd have to go with the Minnesota Wild. I just think that's a pretty sweet name. Um, the Avalanche is a cool name, but like they're kind of longstanding. They, they My team will be the coolest name next year. I'm depressed. That's probably why I didn't get into hockey this year, Daniel. I thought the Kraken came in this year, but they didn't. No, you got you got another year, but soon enough, my friend, soon enough. I pro- I'm making a promise to you right now. I will watch their games, and I will be able to bring knowledge to this podcast about a hockey team. All right, well, then, since you're talking about bringing knowledge to this podcast, let's move over to NBA so you can bring me the knowledge. Uh, we, we talked about the Wizards, you know, off air, but bringing the conversation on air. The Wizards, I mean, have been the hottest team in basketball really over the past month. So what what is it that they're doing differently, and, and why are they playing so well right now? Or is it just the competition that they're playing is subpar? No, they've actually been beating good teams. Um, I'll start with I'll start with my boy, and I'll use something that you'll like. Um, I told you a stat earlier. He only shot eight shots. Um, the one loss that they've had in these last twelve games. What did I tell you? I told you him and Bradley Bill had missed seventeen shots apiece. And so, if he missed seventeen, I'm not looking at the stat right now. I'm sure you know that means he shot like thirty shots, right? So. Um, in games where Westbrook is not a high volume shooter and he does like he did tonight with 24 assists, which, um, seems insane, but he's been averaging more than 14 for, like you said, the whole month. Um, when he becomes a distributor, I think that's your first key. Um, obviously Bill as a scorer is a big deal, but I'm going to mention two other guys. I'm so glad Randy's not here. Um, Hachimura is one of them. When he contributes tonight, he had 27. He's been contributing a lot lately. And anybody who's paying attention to the Wizards knew that there was that potential. But Bertans or Bertans has actually been making his threes lately, Daniel. And as much as I don't like the guy really, even when I went to the game in Memphis, like Casey said, he was like the most unlikable character ever. But He's been making his threes, and, and you know, Randy says he's a good three-point shooter, and so right now he's proven it. And so you're getting contribution from more than just two guys. And as a matter of fact, tonight, this is an amazing stat. They had five guys from the bench score double figures. So I don't think it's against bad teams. It's the team that they beat tonight is the Pacers, who's right in front of them. So that's not it at all. I think they're learning, but I think it starts with Westbrook, dude. I think – it's distributor, and I'd like to see anybody who tells me 24 assists is stat padding, Daniel, I'll slap them in the face. Well, assists is one of those things that it's hard to defend your take on being a stat patter if you're giving off assists because, like, 
that's the epitome of being an ultimate team player is when you can pass the ball and facilitate other scoring. Especially so, when you're taking eight shots, right? And you've known your whole career as a volume shooter. Yeah, I mean, the, the idea is like you, you want them to take five shots, make all five, 10 point. You got 10 points there and then assist like crazy and get rebounds or, or steals. Like that right there, I think would be the difference maker in people not calling Russell Westbrook a stat pattern because those two stats are defensive stats and those are like more of a, a team thing, even though I could argue that when Russell Westbrook scores 30 or 40 points, I think to me, in my opinion, like he gives his team a, whether they win or not, he gives his team a better chance of winning when he goes out and does that. Right. So, so I, I got to tell you, um, you know, cause you know, you look to me for the stuff in the East, the, the wizards are actually the second hottest team in basketball. Um, Bro, I'm I'm looking up because I haven't watched any of their games except the one where they actually beat the Wizards. Um, and they're currently beating your Grizzlies. Um, dude, I'm looking at the Knicks to find out why they're so good. Um, I know Julius Randle's play has been phenomenal. I'm looking at it right now. He's averaging 24 points a game, um, 10 and a half rebounds, six assists. Um, so RJ Barrett seems to be pretty decent, but I mean, I'm not seeing anything that's telling me why they seem to be unbeatable lately. Um, maybe it's just cause I'm not seeing them, but, um, I'm going to shout out the New York Knicks, Daniel, dude, they, they are killing it, bro. They have won nine of their last 10. And like I said, as much as I hate to say it to you, they look like they're probably fixing to beat the Grizzlies. So I don't know what they're doing. I don't watch them. I say probably fixing two. There's five. There's five minutes left in that game. I thought there was less time, but so hopefully I'm wrong on that. Let's hope that I just I gave them the KOD. But yeah. Daniel, do you know anything about the Knicks to why they're playing so good? Because I don't. I mean, who's is is Fizdale even their coach? Who's their coach? I don't even know. Great question. Like that's I, I don't know. They're winning, and we don't know anything about them except Julius Randle, RJ Barrett, and I know that. Derrick Rose went there right before the trade deadline. That's that's all I can tell you. Well, I think here, I mean here 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 it is right here. You got oh it's Obi, Thibodeau. Yeah, Obi Top and Derrick Rose, Mitchell Robinson, Julius Randle, Emmanuel Quickly, Miles Powell, Theo Pinson, um Ner Noel, Kevin Knox, Jared Harper, Taj Gibson, Alex Birch, Reggie Bullock, and RJ Barrett. Nobody like that just flies off the page as oh uh, man they're just unbelievable somebody that wins nine out of ten and is and is in the fourth spot in in the east behind the bucks the nets and the the sixers right like hey but i mean um shout out to them shout out to Thibodeau, man i didn't even know Thibodeau was a good that shows you how much uh, i know about the knicks i mean so what hey good for them yeah i mean this is a game that the the grizz need to come back and win um, and, you know, as, as we, you know, we might as well start talking about them. The Grizzlies, in my opinion, and despite what Taylor Jenkins wants to say, and I'm not one that's going to question rotations, even though there's a lot of people out there that are, because I've always given credit, and I think there should be some credit given to Taylor Jenkins and the job that he's done. So right now I can't just – 
turn my back on, on that, that take. But I will say that, you know, I think they're in trouble, man. Like, I, I honestly do. I think they're holding on by a thread. And games like this where, like, I mean, they, they have to win. Like, that's what it's coming down to. And I don't like the Grizzlies in a situation where they have to go into every game having to win. Um, had they won the game, a couple of the games that they lost, they would be in a much better position. But right now, Portland is is beating teams that, you know, maybe they shouldn't beat. Um, but you got Golden State a game behind, San Antonio two games behind, and the Pelicans, who are three games behind, you know, and with the the way that the Grizzlies have been playing with a win one, lose one, win one, lose one, all it takes is for one of those teams to get really hot and and win, you know, five, six in a row, and then you're toast. Yeah. Well, let me – since I was at the Portland um, Memphis game, let me tell you uh, 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 one thing that I thought was being said on the radio that was true, and it's something that you have touched on and, and we've talked about group text. The, the Winslow getting minutes as the two, at the second point guard – versus Tyus Jones is is terrible coaching. I will I will say that. And I watched it. And I couldn't figure out for the life of me why he Winslow was doing it in the first half. And then the fact that they came back to it in the second half um had me dumbfounded. But what I will say is I listened to everyone ridicule Taylor Jenkins about that entire game. And since I was there and I was literally 12 feet away from the court, Daniel, um, Taylor Jenkins doesn't control how hard guys play. And other than Valanchunas, every guy on Portland was outworking every guy on Memphis. And that's that's a, a them problem. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. so Taylor Jenkins is definitely making mistakes. But I think sometimes people need to – you know, take a step back and look at the players and look at the players they're playing against and say, are they getting outworked? Do the other guys want it more? And that night, Portland came in there to prove a point and they absolutely busted their ass and they showed they wanted it. And so um, the the Triple J thing, um, there's a lot of statistics show that he's doing the lineup wrong. Um, you know, I'm a big stats guy, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with, I'm going to lean and say that he – it sounds like he needs to do the right thing and have um, the right five guys because it shows that it works. But I will say also, being that I was at that game, I watched the rust on on Triple J, and that's that's got to be worked out. I mean, he was 0 for 7 from downtown until he hit one with like three minutes left, and he still kept shooting. Um, so he's got some things to, to work out. Um, but you're right. Uh, I say all that to say, Daniel, you're right. They're in trouble. When I when I look and you had standings pulled up, I mean, they are now tied with the the Warriors and the Spurs are just a game back. Um, you, you know, we talked about hopefully maybe they could get to the six. Um, it's not going to happen now. It's just, it's just not. And I'll give you an interesting thing looking at the six, Daniel. Um, the the Portland Trailblazers are now a half game back of the Lakers, and we told you, or we told you, we talked about. 
Um, the Lakers didn't care what seed they were, but we said, man, wouldn't it suck for somebody who maybe earned like a two seed and got the Lakers if they fell back that far? That actually looks like something that could possibly happen to the Utah Jazz or the Phoenix Suns. I mean, just think about it like this. Like, if you're Phoenix or Utah, do you want to see Dallas, Los Angeles, or Portland? No, I mean, talk about fighting your life off for number one. Those two teams are going to play every game to the last game um, to secure that one spot because they're not going to want to deal with that. But, I mean, dude, that, that's a that's such a kick in the nuts, though, if you end up being the two seed and you end up with Portland or the Lakers. Golly. Yeah, so before we move on, how do you, how do you think it shakes out? Well, I told you Phoenix I thought would get the number one. They've officially gotten themselves there. Um, so, I feel good about that still. As far as I still think I'll take Memphis in a in a game against Golden State or the Spurs. I, I just wouldn't take them against Portland, even though they've won the season series. I, I can only go with what I guess recency with my own eyes, right? Well, and I, I, know, I, think, I think deep down you want Dame. I, I, I just, I just. No, I, I watched it. Dame wasn't even the reason they they whooped them. You know who? You know who who killed them? My my my, my no, my other guy. It was Mello. Oh, Mello was that dude? Mello was vintage when I was there the other night. Like it felt awkward. Like I was like, dude, I rooted you for you for years when you came in here for other teams, and then the one night I want you to lose, I'm rooting for the Grizz. You're just making everything like, bro, a little insult to injury, but. I think Phoenix stays in that top spot. Um, I'll put it to you this way, um, so we don't. I don't take too long. I think, I think it's probably going to all fall where it is now, and I'm going to tell you why. I don't think the Lakers want to move up because I don't think they want the Clippers in the first round. If, if they're any kind of smart, I think they want to stay in that six seven spot. Um, so maybe them in Portland flop. Um, that's about it. I think the rest of it's going to stay. I think Memphis even being in trouble, Daniel, is going to stay there. Um, I learned that I didn't know the play-in game style right. Um, Logic told me that it would be seven against ten and eight against nine, right? But right. it's actually seven against eight and nine against ten, and I didn't know that. And then they, then they play and the winner. Correct. But I, I would have thought it would – because, you know what I'm saying, like you earn the seven, so you get the ten team. And then, like last year, you just have to win one. But apparently I didn't understand it or whatever. But, like I said, I'll take Memphis against Golden State. Dude, Golden State, they're just – I mean, they're one guy. I hate to talk like that. But, I mean, in order for them to win, Curry has to drop a 50-piece. 50, a 50 I'm not scared of a team like that if I'm Memphis. And the, and the Spurs, I mean – it's just I don't know. Maybe I'm being a hater. I don't, I just don't find them scary. But I do well, Portland. I do find scary. Well, here I think here's what's good about Memphis. Memphis plays. They have games with Golden State. They have games with New Orleans, Sacramento, Minnesota. Um, I think they have. Yeah. So here we go. They have Minnesota, Detroit, Toronto, New Orleans. Sacramento twice, Golden State, and Dallas. So of those teams remaining, only one of them is currently solidly in the playoffs. 
So, I mean, the, the rest are either fighting for position or out altogether, which is a good sign for, for the Grizz, but they still have to go out there and win games. Like tonight, they are, they're going to lose. Well, it's like the other night, the Magic loss, right? The Magic aren't playing for anything and don't have anybody. So you can't assume any wins. I mean, the Grizzlies have kind of shown that, and I think that's probably why you're, you're talking about you're worried. Because, I mean, if you can't go beat a Magic team that's playing for nothing and has nobody, um, that's a concern. I will say this because uh, just to talk about the East playing situation, um, Washington would be playing Indiana, which is the team that they just beat down. Um, so I like their odds. Well, so if you check this out, Golden State beats New Orleans. Memphis is going to lose. So, I mean, that puts them neck and neck. I mean, it actually is going to put the Warriors ahead. Um, so I, I don't know. It's I don't like that uneasy feeling. I wish that there was some more separation in between some of these teams at that nine and ten and that eleven spot. But I mean, it is what it is. It'll make so it explain it. So explain yeah. to me. Okay, so if Memphis falls to the nine, and the nine, the seven and eight play each other, and the nine and ten play each other, okay, how does it work? So the winner of the nine and ten, then what? So I I feel like what do you what do you mean? I feel like the two winners then is that your eight teams, and then they seed it like a normal. Playoff? I don't feel like that can yeah. be it because wouldn't the eighteen? That's why with the seven not playing the ten, it feels like the eight seed gets screwed because they get the harder matchup against the seven. I almost <laughs> feel like. Without looking at it, just on a guess, I almost feel like the winner of the 9-10 plays the loser of the 7-8. Wouldn't that seem logical? All right, so here, here's what I've found. Um, you got, let's see. You got the team that finishes 7th in each conference against each team that finishes 8th. While the teams that finish ninth and tenth will also go to head, head to head, the winner of the seven versus the number eight matchup will secure the number seven seed in the conference. The loser of that game will go on to face the winner of the nine ten game. The winner of the second game will qualify for the eight spot. So what I said. So I, I bring that up to say this, Daniel. Regardless of where Memphis finishes. In that eight, nine, ten spot, if they hold on and stay there, what did I just tell you? Just on my personal opinion, I wasn't scared of Golden State or the Spurs. So for me, I still feel good because just get away from the Blazers. Well, here's the problem is that you when you look at the Grizzlies, they're probably if, if they if if they make seven, eight, nine, or ten, any of those, it's gonna be because they are a five hundred basketball team. And so when you tell me you have to win two games in a row to be into a playoff series, like, I just don't see it happening. Like, I, I don't. like. And I don't know if you brought up this score. And, um, I mean, they're still midway through the third, but the, uh, the Jazz are up by 20 on the Spurs, if that makes you feel good in regards to those standings. 
Yeah, I mean that's that helps, and it, it I guess it helps that the the Warriors are beating the Pelicans in a sense. But you would, I don't know, would you want the Pelicans to beat the Warriors? Or I, I don't know. Um, but we got a, a couple more weeks of this NBA season. It'll it'll get tighter before things start loosening up. So it'll be it'll be fun to watch. But I'm sure as a Grizz fan and as a Wizard fan. We'll be sitting on the edge of our seats, probably bitching and complaining about things at times and probably hopefully celebrating more. Um, but we'll see what happens. But man, let's jump into baseball. I don't I don't have too much pro baseball to talk about. Um, let's just I talk mean, about a tiny all night. I, I mean, that. I mean, that's the thing. Like you could say uh, Otani is great, but you got Mike Trout. I mean. This month in baseball, right here on ESPN MLB homepage. This month in baseball, Mike Trout's best start ever. Um, and then it says a star outshining him and a major league baseball strikeout rate. So, like Mike Trout having his best season ever as to start, but he's getting outshined by Otani. Like, as an Angels organization, like these are basically your your best two, and you're like. I, I guess you couldn't ask for much more, right? No, I mean, that's fantastic. The problem is, when we talk about um, last week, they're in a division with the damn Oakland A's <laughs> and, and the Astros, even though they're struggling. <laughs> so oh, they're doing they're the them. Angels are doing their thing, and they're still they're still in a in a problem situation. Um, well, but, I will say this: the Rays were playing the Angels tonight, and Otani was scratched from the game so i don't know uh he was hit by a pitch in the elbow and now he's not playing against the Rays. so that's like that's the one downside to having this guy be the focal point of being really good on the mound and at the plate because all it takes is one pitch like that and then he's out he's sidelined and like heaven forbid he actually get really hurt where he's missing a significant amount of time. Like that's a huge weapon and a huge piece to be out of the lineup and off the mound. Right. Well, I want to talk about two things in baseball. I'm surprised you didn't want to lead off with this one. Um, the Cardinals have won five in a row and lead the central. I didn't want to jinx it, man. I, I really just wanted to just like roll right past it and then kind of evaluate things middle of this week and see if we wanted to, to touch on them. But, but <laughs> well, now then that you brought them up, we can we can talk about and, it. And Arenado went yard again. Um, I mean, they won five in a row. I mean, that's, that's exactly, I think, what I said last week would have to happen. Like, one of these teams could, could go from the bottom of the division to the top by winning four or five games in a row. And – I mean, you see the Cardinals being an example of that. They weren't at the very bottom, but they were, you know, close to that last spot with record, and now here they are. Hey, you, you said, you know, we've been guessing who would switch places. Dude, we got th – in the National League, all three divisions have a new leader. That's fun. Yeah. I mean, especially out west. True. I mean, the National League East, that's intriguing to me right now, just 
it just sticks out because the Nationals are a 500 ball club and they're leading that division. The Phillies, the Mets, the Braves, and the Marlins all below 500. Uh, I mean, the Mets, I mean, you, you think about the offseason that they had and, and what the expectations were, and they're sitting at 11 and 12. So, and the Braves as well, they had a great offseason, some, some big pickups, and they're sitting, you know, 12 and 16. You know what we got to talk about with the Braves, though, man. Um, hey, Austin Riley batting 182 uh, a few weeks back, batting 329 now. Yeah, he's 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 in a groove right now. He's he's seeing the ball well. They're they're not winning games, but at least he's figuring it out. So um that that division is exactly what I said about the Cardinals. Any team that wins three, four, five games in a row puts themselves right back at the top. So especially if you're sitting below 500, like what I don't want to see is, is that trend continue and you have the East, which I thought with the Mets and the Braves would have been a much stronger division, but apparently they're, they're floundering. But Yeah. Well, Hey, I do got one more note before we transition out. The, this is kind of giants. No, the, it. go ahead. The giants like there's there they are again another another week in a row well look at that that plus that plus minus differential right there they're, they're doing work dude uh, yeah but you look at the dodgers as well the plus the differentials 45 i mean that's strong too i mean not to say that either one i mean they both got 17 wins and you know that's but it's saying they're, it's the saying they're winning close games, whereas the Dodgers, when they win, they seem to hammer people. But right. what I but I wanted to bring up, um, you know, Daniel, you're a Grizzlies fan times two now. I hope um, I wanted to I wanted to bring up Keegan James, man, called up to play for the Fresno Grizzlies. Um, the Grizz. So Grizzlies time two. You know, you've seen the clips that were put together. He shed the 25 pounds. Um, he feels better than he's ever felt in his life. So, now we got Dallas, Wolfolk, and Keegan James out there. And hopefully, man, hopefully, optimistically, with the way that they have put in the time and effort, we'll be watching these guys move up from double-A ball and maybe see them on one of these uh, pro rosters. Absolutely. I mean, we – we talk about it all the time, you know, as far as the podcast and, and just promoting our guys and just being giving people a chance to hear the story. But it's it's always really nice and really validating when we can share those stories like that of guys like Keegan dropping pounds and being picked up and putting himself in a position to make the big league club and guys like Austin who are, you know, talented beyond, you know, anything imaginable and they struggle and then they fight through it and, and, and they're, they're doing well now. So, you know, shout out to those guys and, you know, hopefully, you know, we might have some Fresno Grizz on the show one day, but let's, uh, let's transition to your baby, man. Let's, let's get into some SEC college baseball. I found a stat sheet that might make things a little bit easier for you. I don't know if you can read it, but it breaks down each division and it talks about the upcoming schedule. 
uh, well, for the week and what's to be expected. Well, let me tell you, before I even look at that, I'm going to do something that it makes me sick to my stomach, but um, it, it needed to happen. Um, Vandy finally got humbled, and then by of all teams, it was Florida. And so um, I won't shout the Gators out, but what I will say is, you know, we've seen Kumar take a loss now. We've seen Leiter take a loss now. Now we've seen Vandy get worked in a series. And so for us that are rooting for Tennessee in the East, and then, of course, overall we're rooting for our guys from from Ole Miss and Mississippi State. Um, you know, I don't know if LSU is too far out. But, you know, for the for the guys that we've been talking about on this podcast, we're rooting for one of the, the biggest obstacles, you know, that we knew that they would face is Vanderbilt. And this doesn't remove them, but it continues to show after this past weekend that they're not some unmovable, unbeatable force. And so uh, Florida Florida was able to take care of that and make those Tennessee volunteers atop of the, the Eastern standings again, bro. Uh, and the, the volunteers continue to, to continue to rake, brother. Those yeah. Can hit. I, they can. And, and what the good thing is, is they're, they're picking up a series with Missouri. Um, you know, so, I mean, if all goes to plan, they should win two of three of those games. And, you know, obviously you're looking at um, Alabama for Vanderbilt, which is a team from the West, but still. Can I ask you a question real quick because you said Missouri. When yep. you consider that Missouri has been the bottom of the SEC in football and they're the bottom in baseball, and when I watched them in the gymnastics, they were in the bottom – don't you think Missouri really regrets coming to the SEC? Or do you think the money makes it okay? I think the money makes it great because it wasn't that long ago when they were pretty good. Um, it seems like a while since they've been good at anything, no. <laughs> well, I mean, it's – but see, that's that's the problem with the SEC is that I mean, you could win eight games in a season, nine games, even ten games, and be outshined by by Alabama. Like, all it takes is for Alabama to win a national championship, and nobody knows what the other teams did. Right. Well, something that I wanted to, to talk to you about also, you know, I got to see them this past weekend live, but I told you, you know, I felt like you kind of had this little – uh, fandom for South Carolina because they weren't getting talked about. And I told you that they hadn't played anybody yet. And they had three straight series against Arkansas, Ole Miss, and Mississippi State. And Arkansas worked them last week, and Ole Miss worked them this week for the sweep. And so it wasn't nothing against South Carolina. They just – they hadn't played – those other teams. And so I got to be there in Swayze to watch that series. Daniel, man, I, I tell you, our boy Doug is is killing it. He's absolutely killing it. He's a stud, man. And then Gunner, Gunner Hogland, he was he was the pitcher of the week. I think when we're breaking this down, and for if any of the Mississippi State folks are listening, um, don't get mad at me, man. Um, I'm doing an unbiased thing. I'm still I'm still rooting for you guys over Ole Miss. But when you're talking about one-two punch, um, I don't think it's McLeod and Bednar that are the second best one behind um, 
Kumar and Lighter. I, I I do think it's Gunner and Doug. And so it's 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 hard it's hard not to say that. Um, but I mean, it, the SEC. You look at it; it's it's stacked from from top to bottom, and just like this past weekend, anybody can be humbled, anybody can be beat. It just it just depends on who who's on and who's off well the thing about these teams daniel is none of them have and i think this is why none of them have solidified themselves to just be that much better than everyone else arkansas is winning because they're producing runs but i just mentioned one two punch five of these teams have an amazing one two punch none of them have a a great third day guy if any of them had had that third day guy they would probably be unbeatable um, and so a lot of these teams are trying. I've watched a lot of them. They're throwing out different guys. They're trying different things. Um, they haven't been able to to put that together. That's That's been the biggest issue. As far as first day guys, hey, uh, we hadn't brought him up. I said something about Tennessee scoring runs, man. Chad Dallas, 7-1. and one. He's coming on here in a couple of weeks. Um, continues to do his thing. Uh, me and Randy joke, you know, the only hits he gives up are home runs. But the good news is he doesn't give up very many hits. And very many runs. So, looking at the slate of games this week, you got Ole Miss, Texas A&M, Florida, Kentucky, Alabama, Vanderbilt, LSU, Auburn, Mississippi State, South Carolina, Tennessee, Missouri, Georgia, Alabama. Where do you see things as far as standings go shake up by the end of the weekend? Well, when you look at ranking-wise, I think every one of those goes chalk. So I don't see much movement unless there's an upset. If there is a likely upset in there, um, I, you know what? I'm going to go against the team that I just watched do very well just because Texas A&M gave Mississippi State all they wanted in Starkville. And so Ole Miss is going to Texas A&M. And um, – so I could see Texas A&M taking a game in there. Um, I, I don't. I don't see. I'm looking at this. I'm hoping LSU can finally take care of business. They need a sweep against Auburn, like something serious. So they're they're probably done. Um, South Carolina ain't a bad team, um, but I don't. They could take a game. I think Tennessee obviously sweeps Missouri. I think Arkansas sweeps Georgia. So I don't see the I don't see them shifting any in, in regards to your question. But that next week, which we'll get to, we're not going to jump ahead. That next week, we there's going to be some matchups, and um, and I believe that might be the final weekend of SEC play. I could I could be wrong. Um, is there two more weekends left or one? You know, um, I think there's one. You don't have to look it up. I think there's one more after. Um, and it's going to be. And then it's gonna be go time. You got this no, there's weekend. two more. There's two more. Okay. Yeah, you got two more. You know, we wrap up at the weekend before Memorial Day. Um, yeah, I think with the way things are going, I think Tennessee has a great shot of of being the sole uh, leader of the East. Um, I think. You know, I, I honestly think that the, the West is going to stay the same. I, I want to believe that uh, Mississippi State can win two of three from South Carolina, but 
we've we've slept on South Carolina before. They I'm gonna be there. That's why Mississippi State's gonna win, Daniel. Don't forget. But, hey, I'm just saying they got humbled. They're coming back. They they realize what they got to do. And and there's there's a lot at stake for South Carolina right now because they're sitting at 11 and 10, and they're they got to make up some ground because Florida has now come back really strong, and Vanderbilt and Tennessee sitting right at the top. Let me ask you this question, Daniel. In regards to Arkansas, um, like I said, they they're winning because they're producing runs at a high rate. Like LSU scored a lot of runs on them this past weekend, even though um, they took two a took two or three, which they also lost one to LSU. So worth noting, um, LSU did get one of those. Um, and our and our guy Alex Brady um, had a had a great outing. Um, need to need to throw that out there. But I wanted to ask you this because you're the you're the actual guy who played baseball. When we mention these teams and we talk about it, and we said there's like five of these teams that have two aces on their team, and Arkansas is not one of them. And we know how bats can, you know, get in a funk; they can get in a slump. Would that make any of these other teams we talk about Mississippi State, Ole Miss, Vanderbilt, Tennessee, even Florida? Would that make you feel like you'd lean more towards those teams if they were to meet again in a series, um, you know, down the line? No, because I think I think hitters tend to learn more about pitchers as they go. Um, yeah, I think they're, that pitchers can learn a lot about hitters. But good hitters are good hitters. That they're hard to get out. And I think Arkansas has a lineup full of really good hitters. And I think that more so than their pitching, their pitching is, is good. But I think that more so than the pitching is the reason why they're they're as good as they are right now. I mean, they're they've – You know what I hate is we haven't got to see – because, you know, the two teams who've lived on hitting, I hate that we haven't got to see Tennessee and Arkansas against each other. Well, it's coming up. Next week, not this weekend, but the next. I mean, well, yeah, I mean, I know it's coming. I'm just saying in regards because we've talked about it a lot. Those teams, those two teams just like to score, man. It's fun. I mean, Where's I mean, that series it, at, Daniel? It's at Tennessee. Dang, man, because Fayetteville ain't far away. It, I could actually made that drive. I'd have wore Tennessee stuff in there. I'd have, oh, I'd have borrowed some stuff from Randy. I don't doubt it. I would have wore an anti-Christian Franklin shirt. And, hey I – mean, I guess the 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 then the hope is that Arkansas is leading the West and Tennessee is leading the East to set up a big matchup, which they are right now. So it's just got to stay the way it is. I mean, Tennessee should sweep Missouri and um, Arkansas should sweep Georgia. So it should. I mean, we should we should get that. Very true. But it's been fun, huh? And and we'll move on. But uh, SEC baseball has not been disappointing, and and Daniel, uh, that that experience at Swayze, uh, I want to shout out those fans. Um, the weekend before, I wore LSU gear in there. Um, they they treated me nicely this past weekend. Um, I wore Ole Miss colors. I I, I still refuse to wear anything Ole Miss, but um, the fans treated me very well. They talked about our podcast. Um, they were fun with my son and then of course afterwards um I specifically hey I gotta shout out Ben Van Cleve man um whether it's been my nephew whether it's been my son um you know and I watched the way he is with the kids um what a what a 
great guy, dude. I mean, I just – I wish all these guys the best on the field and off the field. But, man, um, Ben Van Cleve also just graduated. Um, so, shout out to him as well. And I, him and Hayden Leatherwood. I just wish him the best in life, man. What a good dude. Yeah, I mean, it, that goes for all of our guests. We, we've had – that's – your a contribution to what you do being a year into this you go and you find guests that relay the characteristics that we want to be about so you know shout out to you shout out to the guests for doing their thing and and man before we get out of here did we did we miss anything we got a last call um yeah it just happened and i and i told you about it um kaiser women's soccer grace mcclellan one of our original guests um um, our second female athlete we had on, she was actually at LSU at the time. Um, she made a change in schools, and clearly it was a good change for her. She goes there, um, ends up absolutely dominating in the goal, and they win a national championship tonight. And so shout out to her. And, you know, um, just to kind of talk about what's coming up next week, you know, you know, as a matter of fact, Daniel, uh, Azani, man, I, I'm excited. How excited are you about that? It, what I think I'm most excited about is because she basically Babe Ruth her episode last <laughs> time. She called her shot and told us exactly what was going to happen, who they were going to play, and how it was going to go down. And here we are. We we told her if, if they want it all, we were bringing her back. And sure enough, she agreed to that. And she'll be on next week. We're going to talk about the season. We're going to, you know, see what it's like. What is it like to be a national champion? Like walking around, you know, University of Kentucky. What What is that like? Yeah, I messaged her, Daniel, and I told her, I said, man, you know, having a daughter that's an athlete, I said, we're just trying to win like a, a medal on the weekend. I was like, I couldn't even imagine what it's like for if I was rooting, you know, talking about her mom. I was like rooting for my daughter to win the national championship, the feels that comes with that. I know it's going to be an awesome and a proud moment as a parent. So, I mean, hopefully one day I'll get to experience that. that will be probably the highlight of my, my life, but man, let's, let's, uh, let's call it a, a episode. Let's get on out of here, man. We had a, a good time tonight. I want to thank our guests, Kaya Johnson and Alona Shinakova, two of the best gymnasts in the country, LSU gymnasts. Um, you know, we're going to have them back on. They are awesome guests, and I wish them the best moving forward. But if you like hearing us average shows talk X's and O's, please like and share the podcast on Facebook. Retweet us on Twitter. Listen and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. As always, your comments, ratings, and feedback is always welcome. We're going to see everyone next week for episode seven. Like Jim said, we're bringing back on a national champion, University of Kentucky volleyball player, Ajani Teeler. Until then, this has been the In Off the Bench podcast. As always, remember, strong bodies, sharp minds, grit and grind all the time. We're out.